Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. Hey, this morning, guys, we are in part three of an incredible series that we're simply calling Not What, But Who. We're processing through an awesome book called Hebrews. Um, Hebrews is helping us to discover that it's not just a title that we wear. It's not a name badge that we put on. It's not a building that we walk into. But it's the DNA that runs through the very core of our existence that makes a difference. You see, when Jesus was around, they began to call the disciples and the followers Christians, originally as a derogatory term. They were saying, oh, you're a little Christ. Oh, you're a little Christ. But I don't know about you, but today I would love for somebody to walk up and identify because of what I'm doing or what I'm saying or how I'm responding to look at me and go, oh, you must be a a little Christ. You're a Christian. See, that's what we're talking about in this series, not settling for the fact that we can say that we're a Christian, not settling for the fact that we can say that we go to church, that we're assemblies of God or or whatever, but truly allowing all that God is to run deep down in the heart of who we are. We've already discovered that our walk with Jesus is more than religion and that we must be careful not to drift away, but today I want to take it a little further as we go into chapter 3. I want to look at the fact that we must remain focused in the pursuit. You see, it's not enough just to begin the journey. It's not enough just to get started. We've got to remain focused on Jesus. In fact, the author of Hebrews says, think about Jesus. Take a look at our text today. Chapter 3, Verse 1, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Now hold on to that section. We're going to come back to a little bit of that in just a moment. He says, those who belong to God and are partners with those that are called to heaven, think carefully. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, think carefully. Now some of you, it's been a while since you've thought carefully. Right? I had one amen on that one. The some of us, we get so comfortable just meandering through life that we don't take time to really consider, to process through, to grab a hold of what's really important in life. We go through the mundane of our day, and it's another day, another dollar, but nothing really is established. Nothing really is taking roots in who we are. So he says, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. Now the word that is used for think here is the word kataneo. Kataneo. It literally means to perceive, to observe, to understand, and to consider attentively. Now, that's a huge process in that, isn't it? 
You you go from a, a simple glance, and he says, it's not enough to just have a passing thought of Jesus. It's not enough just to perceive that he's there. It's not enough to say, I think he's around. Well, we gotta move to that next step, to observe, to pay attention to, to understand, to allow it to begin to filter through our life, to understand who he is, and finally, to consider attentively. There's a progression that is taking place. Why? Because the author of Hebrews sees the importance of digging deep into the reality that it's not about the title but it's all about who we are in Christ. So today, I want to give you two steps to take in order to remain focused. I'm going to challenge you, like I do almost every week, take really good notes today. You've got the paper outlines available. You've got the digital outlines on our website and on our, on our app and on the Bible version app, all sorts of things out there. But grab a hold and take really good notes today. Two steps to take in order to remain focused. Number one is this. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Now, here's the problem. Too often, we forget who we are and we focus on who we were. Come on. Anybody else been there before? You get really consumed by who you were because that's what the enemy brings up to you all the time. You're not changed. You're the same lazy laggard that you've always been. You're the same spiral downward individual you've always been. You're the same troublemaker. You're no good for anything. You're not going to succeed. You're enslaved to all those, all those vices of life. You're never going to improve. That's just who you are. You might as well own up to it. Have you heard that before? But I want you to understand that the Bible negates that. The Bible turns that on its head. And the Bible says that the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come on, get ready for this. The old self is gone. Come on, that should have made some of you excited. The old self is gone, it's dead. And the new life is here. So what we're doing in this moment is we're not focusing on who we used to be. We're not focusing on the old struggles, the BC BC days, before Christ days. But we're focusing in on who we are because of Christ. Because of what he has done in our lives. Our text this morning said it this way, and so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God, who belong to God, why do we belong to God? Because we've surrendered our life to him. We've said, Lord, come into my heart, come into my life, I make you the master, I make you the savior, I make you the lead of my life. We belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Now, this is a very pivotal moment as we focus in on moving forward in this series. You see, it's important that we don't get stuck in the title or the what, 
of Christianity. But we begin to personalize the who of Christianity, to remember who we are. The title for Christianity has been used wrong for so many years. In fact, this idea of Christianity has really been a detriment to the church. Come on, check with me here. If I walked outside these doors here in America and I said, are you a Christian? A good percentage of people would say yes. But then we see the fruits, and the Bible says that we'll know them by their fruits. Some of them don't have fruit. Some of them are just fruity. <laughs> Boy, that wasn't in my notes. That was for free. <laughs> you, you can hold on to that. That was good stuff right there. That, that, was, that was either inspired or, or something. I don't know. But it's been used as a detriment for so many years. But today, I'd like for us as the church to begin to change that persona. For us to begin to change that and say, as we call ourselves Christians, we want to truly be little Christ. I want all that I say and all that I do, I want the words that I speak, the actions that I take, the intentions that I have, I want them to be a representative of who Jesus is so that my life will better reflect him to the world. You see, my desire as a Christian is to populate heaven. Come on, come on. Is that, is that any of your plan? Yeah, to, to bring as many people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God desires that we all repent, that we all turn from the wrong past, and we all turn to this relationship. That's his plan. And he uses us, the church, the Christian, to share that with the world. And I want you to understand, he's coming back one day to take us to be with him for all eternity. I don't know about you, but I want to populate the neighborhood. I want to take as many people with me as possible. But in this moment of scripture, um, the author is writing, and he gives us Two descriptions of who we are as Christians. Number one, he says we have a common identity. We have a common identity. He calls us holy brothers and holy sisters. And the word that is used for holy is hagios. Hagios. And this word literally means that we're bound together. We have a common identity that we are to be holy as one. Now understand this, why, why, are we shared, why is he sharing this information that we have others around? Because sometimes this journey is tough. Sometimes when we attempt this journey by ourselves, there's moments that you can feel all alone. Come on, any, anybody relate to that? Maybe it's you're at the job site and you hear the conversations that are going around in the break room and you think... That's, that's not a conversation I want to be a part of. But I want you to understand that, that you're not alone. Not only do you have this incredible body of believers that we call Encounter Church, but you have Christians worldwide 
that are bound together, that are journeying together. In just two weeks, uh, Pastor Angie and I will be in exciting Columbus, Ohio, for about a week of meetings with thousands of other pastors, just spending time with one another, just allowing the presence of God to soak in. I want to challenge you. Look for moments where you can gather together with other believers. We're going to be starting life groups again in just about a month and a half. I'm going to encourage every single one of you to be plugged into a life group. We're formatting them just a little bit different. There'll be six-week segments, so little short segments together. But I believe that if you'll plug into a life group, it'll give you a sense of belonging. Because sometimes, you know, as a church grows, sometimes we can find ourselves slipping in and slipping out. Come on. Now, some of you do that on purpose, but I'm just saying, if we will take the time to invest in one another, because the Bible says that, We should sharpen one another like iron sharpens iron. The Bible says that we should take the time to encourage one another. Truth be told, there's moments that we need to correct one another. That's what this Christian journey, this idea of the body of Christ is all about. We need that time together. We're part of a a bigger picture. We're surrounded by other believers. We share in this identity And in that identity, that's where we find our strength. But he says that we are holy brothers and sisters. The word holy literally means that we are to be set apart, that we are to be separate from that of the world. Why are we to be holy? We are to be holy not because of heredity, not because we attend church. We are to be holy because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Not because of the what, not because of what's over the door or the sign on the building, because, but because of who Jesus is to us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 says it this way. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. Now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, who is that? That's us, right? Jesus and the church, Jesus and the believers have the same father. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. We have a common identity together, but also with Jesus. Look at our second description. We have a common mission I can't tell you how many times I've had people walk up and say, Pastor, I really wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Can I just tell you, I know what he wants you to do. At least to get started with this. The Bible says that our great commission, our purpose, our drive is to tell everyone everywhere of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's our calling. I don't care who you are. I don't care what side of the tracks you grew up on. I don't care what your family background's like. I don't care what your economic status is. That's your calling in life. Now, the way he has you do that may be a little different. He may have a plan for you that's a little different than his plan for me. And that's for you to figure out. How do you figure that out? By one step at a time. By being faithful in your obedience 
to him. They're saying, Lord, I don't necessarily understand what you have for me next, but Lord, by faith, I'm going to take this step. Lord, by faith, I'm going to trust you in this moment. By faith, Lord, I'm going to move where you'd have me to go. I'm going to rely upon you. And every step you take, every moment you advance forward with him, God gives you the next little nugget that you need. Come on. Any of you ever experienced that before? I've shared this before, but I've shared it several times that when I was young in ministry, early 20s, I was praying on a Saturday night, God, what, did you, what do you have for me? What do you have for my family? God, where do you want us to go in ministry? God, God had just called us into the ministry field to be pastors, but we didn't know what that looked like. There's numerous avenues of that. And I said, God, what do you have? And I was praying at a deacon pew on the stage, and God said to me, when I'm ready to tell you, I'll tell you. But what he was calling me to do was be faithful with the step. To be faithful to trust him. But every step that I took, he was calling me to be responsible as a partner with him of sharing that good news, of sharing that common mission. The New International Version says it this way, we who share in the heavenly calling. Now, this heavenly calling isn't just for us to get to heaven, but it's for us to share the good news so that others receive Christ and others go to heaven. That's the great commission, to tell everyone everywhere about Jesus. So when you combine these two descriptions, the identity and the mission, we discover that there's an individual who knows who they are and what they're supposed to do. In other words, they understand their purpose. And the author here is saying, keep the focus of your life on your purpose. There's a lot of distractions out there. There's a lot of things that are biting for your time. There's a lot of things that, that want your attention in this world. But can I challenge you? Allow your purpose to be the focus of your life. Allow your, your calling to be the center, the, the focal point, the point where everything else turns in your life. Don't get sidetracked. Don't slip away. John 15, 5 says it this way, those who remain in me and I in them, and by the way, Jesus is speaking, he says, those that remain in me and, and I in them will produce much fruit, but apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. As a believer, as a Christian, we were never called to do Nothing. There's not a moment in the Bible where Jesus is speaking where it says, you know what? The moment you receive Christ, that's awesome. From this point on, do nothing. But you read through the Gospels, you read through the New Testament, and time after time after time after time, it says, take the purpose that I've laid upon your life. Take the calling that I've laid upon your life. Begin to pursue that wholeheartedly with all that is in you. I remember March of 2020. I don't know if you remember it, but this thing called the coronavirus spread around a little bit. Some people were getting sick. 
and craziness was going on. The board and I had already been talking for about six months about launching our Warrensburg location. And I remember sitting in the boardroom we're sitting together as a board and we're discussing and, and the idea of the, the campus came back up, up, up and we were looking at the location and, and kind of making plans of what to do and one of the board members looked at me and they said this, Pastor, with all this going on, are we still going to launch a campus? And instantly I felt like God placed a response in my heart and I said this, are people still dying and going to hell? They said, yeah. I said, then, We've got to. We've got to launch a campus. We've got to share the good news. We've got to reach hearts and lives that are lost without Jesus Christ. It's our calling. It's our purpose. Is it easy? No. But it's what we're called to do. Each and every one of us. We're called to keep our focus upon Jesus, to grab a hold of our mission, to grab a hold of our calling, to pursue him wholeheartedly at home, at work, at the grocery store, in our hobbies, on vacation. Come on. Some of us go on vacation. We take a vacation from God, too. In every aspect of our lives, we're to pursue Jesus as a focal point of who we are. If I don't realize my purpose, if I don't realize the purpose of why God has called me and why he has me on this planet, then I'll never fulfill my identity, nor will I fully discover the mission that he has for me. Therefore, I'll get stuck in the what and never move forward and arrive at the who of my Christian journey. You see, without a true sense of identity and purpose, it's easy for us to, to fall back, to get lost in everything that's going on. In fact, Solomon, which the Bible calls the wisest man in the Bible, he struggled with this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and into the early portion of 2. He shared with us five tragic consequences of not knowing your purpose. Not settling on the fact of remembering who you are and what God's called you to do in missing your purpose of life. He says, without your purpose, life will appear useless. In fact, in verses 2 and 3 of Ecclesiastes 1, he said one of the saddest statements. He said, it's useless, useless, the philosopher said. Life is useless. One translation says meaningless. One says it's like a vapor. You spend your life working, laboring, and what do you have to show for it? In other words, what's the point? Why bother? It's just another day, 24 hours. The journey, just like yesterday. There's no points. If I don't know my purpose in life, I find myself just going through the cycles of life. The second thing he discovered was this. Life will appear wearisome. In verse 8, he says, everything is wearisome beyond description. When you don't know your purpose, life continues in circles. Number three, life will appear unfulfilling. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? Man, there's just a void, there's an, there's an emptiness. I, I'm not 
feeling it in my life. That's what Solomon experienced. He said, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Now hold on. I'm going to give you some hope in just a moment. But right now, we see the fact that without our purpose, without Jesus, without remaining focused on him, it's all so unfulfilling. The fourth is this. Life will appear in significance. We don't remember what happened in the past And in the future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. What's the point? It's so insignificant. Nobody will remember anyway. Number five, life will appear uncontrollable. What what is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. See, when we don't focus on the who, when we get stuck in the what's, we miss the points. In chapter two, we see that Solomon begins to search for the meaning of life. He tries in all aspects. He, he looks for it in pleasures. He looks for it in finances. He looks for it in stuff. And he says, it's just not there. But in chapter 2, verse 24, he has that moment when it all makes sense. He says, I realize that, that the purpose of life, that, that all of life is found in the hands of God. If we'll just take the time to focus in, if we'll just take the time to turn to him, if we'll just take the time to pursue him with all that is in us, Every one of these points will be resolved. So the question you've got to ask today is this. What is God's purpose for my life? Have you asked that before? God, what do you want from me? God, what do you have me to do? Because he's already got a plan. I remember as a kid, we used to sing the song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He got the mamas and the papas, the brothers and the sisters. He got us all in his hands. It's a great song, but truth be told, it's very scriptural. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Grab this. Before he said, let there be lights, God was thinking about you. Come on, think about that. Before he separated the land from the water, before he created the trees, before he put the birds in the air and the fish in the water, before he created Adam, he thought about you. See, he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. The question is, are we willing to follow what he has? Look at our second step this morning. 
First, you've got to remember who you are. Number two, you've got to recognize who he is. We know who we are because of him, but we've got to recognize who he is. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3 says, But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a fine house deserves more praise than the house itself. Five or six times in this section of Scripture, depending on which translation you use, the word house is brought up. In verse 2, the author says Jesus was faithful to the house. In verse 3, he says Jesus is the owner of the house. In verse 4, he says Jesus is the builder of the house. Now in verse 6, it says, but Christ the faithful son was in charge of the entire household, and we are God's household. If we keep up our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. The house is referring to the body of believers. It's not referring to this man-made physical building, but the body of believers that gathers together on a regular basis to worship and seek after God. The conjunction or the connection between chapter 2 and chapter 3 says this. Since he himself, Jesus himself, has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. That's good news, right? That's good news, right? Because Jesus has gone through suffering, because Jesus has gone through testing, he can help us when we're being tested. Anybody in the house ever been tested before? Yeah. Some of you on the way here this morning, you experienced some sort of test, some sort of struggle in your life. But then he goes on in verse 1 to say, and so... In other words, because of what we've just read, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those who are called to heaven, think carefully about Jesus. With all that he's experienced, with all that he's gone through, we can lean into, we can depend upon who Jesus is to us. And what is that? He's our hope. He's our salvation. He's our sustainer. He's our provision. He's the good shepherd that will lead us to greener pastures. He's the one that has called us by name and has a plan for our lives. Jesus is far superior than anything of the past. He has a hope for you. You're the spiritual house. question is, what are you going to do in response? How are you going to journey with Jesus? Are you going to remain focused upon him? Or are you going to allow him to be a, a fleeting thought? See, my action step for you this morning is this. I challenge you to step out of the old and pursue the new. Step out of the old and pursue the new. What do I mean by that? 
Stop running back to the junk of yesterday. Stop allowing your identity to be what you were before Jesus stepped in. But from this day forward, set your focus upon Jesus. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He holds it all together. So today, would you do that? Would you let go of the past? Would you intently focus in on Jesus? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.